The North Remembers Podcast. Okay. Hello and welcome to the North Remembers Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 4th. I'm John Schmidt, joined as always by Rennie Lesperance. Wherever and whenever you are joining and listening to us, would like to say hello. We got a jam-packed show for you. We were off last week for the holiday, but uh, lots happened since then, so let's jump right into things. Uh, first of all, though, Rennie, how's your Thanksgiving? Uh, got to play some football with the family, so it was good. How's yours? It was good. I uh, was at the shack uh, for basically the lead-up to Thanksgiving. Uh, can't believe the snow still. It's pretty insane. It was like something out of a book from the Transcendental Movement. Uh, I was, funny, believe it or not, I was sitting out in the old outhouse, <laughs> looking out, and it was just a bunch of snow everywhere from the day before. There was nothing in there, and I was like, this is pretty crazy. <laughs> Uh, but what a week we had in review here. Uh, it was a week which saw uh, my team, the Nature Boy Martinis, win and get the other matchups I needed going my way. It led to me clinching a, a playoff spot next to D-Ball there. And also, what a crazy finish to the Heidi and Chris matchup. Waiver Wired uh, locked up his playoff spot. So only one spot remains uh, as all the divisions locked up. It's just the wild card now. That's right. Uh, and then I'm looking here, uh, even though uh, they were eliminated, you and Becky battle for the high point total it came down to the monday night game uh as minnesota's kicker dan bailey uh was left to play for a team has no name and fortunately for becky he nailed that 40 plus yarder uh worth four points gave her the 113 to 111 uh, win as far as the high points go yeah i think i came in second on high points the last two weeks so tough way to, to fall <laughs> on the points <laughs> Yeah, and you also you were uh, you were first the week before we started getting the payouts too. So you've been on a, a hot streak here. Yeah, we got three game winning streak at the end of the year. <laughs> get out of the basement. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Cause yeah, what an, another uh, heartbreaker for Heidi, and we'll get into that right now. It's the best matchup of the week. Uh, huge playoff implications for this division as Paul and Avery were just rooting for Heidi to get the win as they trailed by a game and a half after losing on Sunday and. Everything, once again, came down to that Vikings-Seahawks game. And Chris had Delvin Cook and DK Metcalf going and was up by seven while Heidi had her MVP, Russell Wilson, leading the troops. And it uh, looks here, Wilson finished with 20 points, which meant uh, Chris would need 13 and uh, to tie and 14 to win. And both players 
for Chris, really under uh, underperformed. Cook got hurt, and Metcalf only finished uh, with 75 yards and a fumble, five points. Uh, but that was just enough, 94-93. Yeah, Cook got that important touchdown, which is critical. Anytime you get a touchdown on a player, it's a good week. So that's enough. You know, it puts him over the edge. Yeah, and uh, it was... <laughs> It, w- it really, I was wondering what was going to happen because Metcalf had that fumble too. And I was like, and I didn't, I didn't realize if it was in the points yet necessarily. And so I was like, man, if this comes down to a stat correction and Heidi wins by a point, uh, that'd be a nice little wake up for Paul and Avery, but it was not the case, alas. <clears throat> um, any other free agent pickups, Rennie, that uh, you saw from the week or head-to-head matchups that caught your attention? I didn't really uh, look too deeply into that this week. Um... Someone pick up. It's kind of a bummer for you with Chubb. Here comes Kareem Hunt on the prowl. Yeah. And, uh, I can't remember. Did someone pick him up? Yeah, Nick had him. Yeah, he wasn't starting yeah. this week. He's had him for a couple of weeks because he hasn't done much. I mean, he's done better than a lot of people's backs, but uh, this was the week he, I think he had 11 points uh, right off the bat because he had that touchdown and had some decent yards to go along with it. Yeah, that's a big uh, pickup, and uh, more importantly, in real life, the, the, the play of him, regardless who had him at this point, uh, taking points away from your guy, who's been a pretty good player this year. Yeah, definitely, and uh, Chubb just can't get into that end zone. Just, every week, it seems like I'm gonna, I know I can get nine or ten points out of him, but uh, come playoff time, gonna need a little bit more than that, or maybe I won't, because my defense is playing pretty good. <laughs> Um, and as for my defense, uh, well, like I said, with the standings, they've helped me get to the top and clinch a playoff berth. So let's go right through the standings review here. All the divisions are already decided. So uh, we'll look more into the wild card race uh, with the week ahead. But WWF, there I am, eight and five, uh, sitting a game and a half up on Becky. So nothing she can do now. And uh, she's out of the wild card. So I'm the only guy. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me check back on that. Becky is alive in the wild card, but she's going to need some help. Yeah, eight and five, good enough. Eight wins will get you in this year. And uh, I thought it was going to come up. Uh, actually, all three I thought would go down on the wire in the last week. So a bit surprised the last two weeks what has transpired. And some major losing streaks really hurt some people here down the stretch. Injuries always played into it. And those bye weeks kind of really hurt some people. But uh, there you are with uh, 1,035 points with eight wins. Yes, I'm like the uh, the Baltimore the Baltimore defense back with I'm Trent Dilfer. I don't need to have a lot offensively, so I'll take what I can get. The money's the same at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean you look at that division, the bottom of the barrel down there in terms of points. Warhawks nine ninety four, team has no name ten twenty, and Nature Boy ten thirty five. So it was a, a good year to be in that division if you weren't scoring a lot of points. Indeed, indeed. And as I said, Becky's still live in the wild card even, uh, but we'll get back into that in a sec here. Uh, Let's look at ECW here. Uh, Seems like Dan's had this thing wrapped up for a while now. Uh, Sitting there, uh, 10-3, rest of the divisions, all in the wild card race, though. So that division is definitely locked and loaded. Yeah, they cannibalized themselves a little bit over in that division and really came back to the pack. And... uh... And D-Ball, you know, winners of four straight to really just put the dagger in the division. 
big time streak at the end of the year and putting up solid numbers too. I mean, you know, doesn't seem like he's always at the most, but he's, you know, he's, he's not putting up terrible numbers either week by week. So just a solid team effort there the last few weeks to win the division. Yeah, consistency. That's the that's the name of the game, and that's what he's been all season. And uh, what what better time than now? We heading into the playoffs uh, after this uh, after this coming week, and he's got Aaron Rodgers uh, playing uh, MVP caliber form. That's right. It's important to have this time of year, and now going into the playoffs. It uh, looks like the Packers schedule eases up a little bit, so we'll see if that can really help him uh, in terms of points with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, some some really bad teams other than uh, that matchup with Minnesota, but then again, their defense, as we saw on Monday night, isn't exactly the same defense from the past few years. Yeah, he always lights them up. I think he had three touchdowns in the first quarter the last time, so, you know, that's a team that gives up a lot of pass yards. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that's favorable. Yeah, and Adams is looking good right now too. And uh, speaking of uh, Devonte Adams, let's look at that uh, race for the wild card. Uh, games we'll be watching, and there it is, Mr. Sacco and D Ball, both have Packers going. Rogers for Dan, Aaron Jones for Michelle, and perhaps Devonte Adams. I don't know who she'll play at receiver. Uh, both also have highly ranked Kansas City Chiefs skilled players. Hill for Sacco and Kels for uh, for D-Ball. Uh, and Hodor's Hodor is rooting for Dan in this one for sure as he and Michelle each have a win head-to-head. So it comes down to a season uh, season points total and there's no way Nick's going to catch her. So. Yeah, yeah, that early part of the season is coming back to bite him even with this big comeback he had. Um, sort of a bit unfortunate. So we'll see though. I mean, you know, if, if Mr. Sacco loses, um, he wins, bang, he's right there in it. Yeah, and you know, Aaron Jones has been a very dynamic fantasy player this year, but as, we, as we've as seen a couple weeks, he can put up a goose egg or close to it uh, if, if they're, you know, going a different route or if he's not really involved there, if they play like they did against San Fran or San Diego. Uh, so it's not a guaranteed thing with him either. Yeah, and it might have both those teams lose. Uh, that opens the door for a, lot, a crazy scenario last week. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, you got Hodor's Hodor's uh, at seven and six. Chili Dog Nelmark six and seven. So once again, Nate and Beth they need a win and a loss by Michelle. As once again, both teams have a win head to head. So it'll come down to season points, and that is a close race there. I'll get to that towards the end of the show. But uh, everybody's really bottlenecked there when it comes to points. Uh, Nickybus is currently a ten point underdog according to the projections and. I, I, I worry for him because Christian McCaffrey is projected to go for 21. It's not often you see 21 from your running back. <laughs> no, no. So that team's sort of in disarray. They just fired their coach. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Good luck. Yeah, that is true. And, you know, ultimately this game seems like it'll come down to the performance of McCaffrey for Nate and Beth, as I said. Uh, well, Nick has to hope that he gets the, you know, the 35.2 points per game as Lamar Jackson's put up the last five games. Uh, number one overall. Uh, in fantasy, it's uh, it's it's the player you want going into the playoffs, just like Rodgers. That's right. And you know, the thing about that wild card is, you look at if there's losses here by Mr. Sacco, Team Horrors, Horrors, and Tijano Superstars wins. They all have seven wins, and then if a team has no name wins, <laughs> he has seven wins. But you know what comes into place there? The tie. Yep. The tie would actually put her over the top, right? Yep, it would because she would have uh, a half game lead then because she'd have 
uh, one less loss, even though she has the same amount of wins. Uh, so yeah, she's hoping that everybody loses that she needs to uh, have lose, and because she'll be half a game ahead of all of those teams we just mentioned. And in this matchup, Elijah's out of the playoffs, but he's a 14-point favorite in the matchup. But it seems like these projections are just BS because uh, every week I feel like there's no chance, uh, you know, somebody's gonna beat me because I'm always a favorite. And then a lot of those times, at least earlier in the year. I'd get beat, so I don't put a lot of credence in those projections. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, they're, they're pretty much useless. They're using averages, but every week is different. You yeah. Know? And NFL, any team can beat any other team. I mean, look at the Dolphins, how terrible that lineup is, and they have three wins. And so, yep. you know, everyone's got to win this year. The Bengals are terrible. They won, so anyone can have a hot day. And, you know, you get a couple bad teams playing each other, and they're, they're sort of mailing in the season and all of a sudden some hot shot comes in and has a breakout fantasy day so yep. um, you'll never know but it's interesting how we foreshadowed that tie early in the season and here it is rearing its head with a late <laughs> push by uh, a team that has no name in, indeed and i tell you heidi going back to that other game she was that close to another tie i mean she's just been at the wrong end of those uh, all year, it seems like, and that tie that Becky had where she came out and caught Heidi and that was the one tie, that seems to, yeah, that's the difference right now, and now she's just hoping she has a huge game from her Cowboys players, uh, Dak and Michael Gallup, and, you know, they scored this last week for her, or the game against me, at least, I was a little worried when I saw that touchdown. Actually, maybe, was it this week on Thanksgiving that they threw a touchdown, actually? Dak to Gallup? I think it might have been this last week, actually. I think it was. Uh, and for Elijah, it's coming down to his big two, Deshaun, DeAndre, at home in, uh, in Houston against Denver. So uh, both defenses have great matchups. Elijah has the Browns at home against the putrid Bengals, but they did get a win last week and looked a lot better, whereas Becky has the Tennessee D averaging 10 points a game the last five weeks, uh, including a 20-point in-indy uh, performance last week. And they're playing the crumbling Raiders this week. Uh, and the, Oakland seems like they're mailing it in. <laughs> yeah, you know, they've had a really, really tough schedule. and uh, <laughs> But they are jack or hide. I mean, some weeks they come out and Jacob just pounds a rock. And, and Carr looks like a competent quarterback. And other weeks they just look terrible. <laughs> yeah, terrible as in Carr getting benched in the third quarter. Terrible. That's why he's not, I should, I might pick up somebody else. I didn't want to fool around with that. But you never know if you get some injuries to people, so maybe I will hang on to them. <laughs> um, all right, well, I got a pretty interesting little topic here. Oh, Come, oh go ahead. We got one division here, champ. You know, I got to get WCW. I mean, oh, I, you're right. I do need to talk about WCW. <laughs> With his narrowest of wins over Hippie Chick, Waiver Wire wins the division as he sits two games up, eight and five. One game left to play, just like me. Uh, so I will be seeing you, Mr. French, first round of the playoffs. There's no no denying that now. So uh, a little worried about that McCaffrey uh, matchup. Uh, but like you said, new coach. We'll see where they're going to be at. You know, and he's got a, he had a dangerous team. I saw that early in the year, and he had a couple tough losses early on. And you look at, you know, Dalvin Cook, was he number two, or he's a top five. Derrick Henry's been a monster lately. He's a top five. He's three. Uh, you know, there you go. I mean, that's that's a, a good lineup to yeah, two and three running back. So yep. that's a good recipe for for making the playoffs. And he could 
he could throw some, uh, he could make a run here at the end. And plus, he's got Michael Thomas. I mean, yeah. how many, he's got a million catches this year. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's so, got he's got some playmakers, that's for sure. And <laughs> it, it's all about the matchups. I was looking at some of my matchups. I, I, I like seeing some of those Dolphins and Redskins and things like that in the weeks weeks ahead. Uh, but nothing's a guarantee, as we've seen in the NFL. But uh, I feel a lot more comfortable than having people going against Baltimore or San Francisco or defenses like that. Yeah, I mean, matchups are huge this time of year. And injuries play a big part. Um, you know, the defenses, the kickers, the weather, you get a blizzard and you're going to throw a kicker up there. We talked about that earlier and matchups are so important. So, you know, I might go throw a bunch of claims in here this week to try to screw some of you guys over. (laughs) Just to throw some more money in the pot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Although my cheapness hurt me, you know, like the cheapness, the, the Gasecki gaff yeah. of 2019 kicked me out of the playoffs. Here I make a run. If I, I, I stuck with Gasecki because I didn't want to pay another dollar for OJ Howard. And if I would have forgot OJ Howard, I would have won that week. I'm in the hunt still right now. Yep. It's kind of crazy to think all that happens. Yeah, you're, and, you're uh, that close. You're never out of it until you're out of it. And, and that was the death knell. So, um, and, you know, the Wayne Gallman affair did not cost me this year. The Gusecki <laughs> gap did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting in fantasy where a lot of our com- conversations that we've had on and off the podcast have been about, uh, you know, these these minuscule players in a way, but sometimes those are the ones that win you the money in the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, you, you do have to play the waiver one. I mean, everyone's got moves, so... Uh, you know, some of us do more than others because, you know, that's just the way we, we play it. And me and, and uh, Paul certainly are, are in that group because uh, I like to be active in it, not with a lot of trades. But uh, sometimes it hurts you, sometimes it benefits you. But some of those minor moves can really help you, particularly in the five weeks. De- definitely. And the other uh, side of that spectrum is D-Ball, best record. And I tell you, he doesn't make more moves in his bye weeks than dictate him because uh, I think what has he made maybe four moves this year that I've seen four or five I think where he's had maybe an injury or a kicker on a bye or something like that so um, yeah and look at where he's sitting 10 and 3 right now so we've had the discussion about this on Full of Schmidt of you know several weeks ago and it's coming to fruition now yeah yeah I mean he's dropped six players and he's acquired six players six moves you know yeah probably related to each other too so Yep. Um, versus, you know, 26 for, for Paul, 14 for me, 14 for you, 14 for Nick, um, you know, and so uh, it just, Chili Dog only had five, you know, that's the lowest, so uh, it's certainly not, uh, you're not going to win it or lose it necessarily by the amount of moves, it's, it's both the moves that you make that you make it cut. Yep, exactly right. Uh, and uh, to stray away from the NFL a little bit, uh, the next segment of Full of Schmidt, there's something I want to talk about because uh, it's definitely in my sights right now, being a Badger fan, I know you are too. Uh, that's going to be the college football playoff, so we'll head there next. And now we'd like to bring you a little segment we called Full of Schmidt. Keep their 
Welcome to this week's edition of Full of Schmidt. Uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, just because I've been a fan for a long time, is college football. Uh, in the playoff setup, uh, I mean, there's been a debate about this going back, you know, maybe even before I was born, who knows. Uh, but it seems to be a system that's missing four teams in the field. It should be eight teams, not four. I mean, you could have a Power 5 conference champion missing out or an undefeated mid-major team left out of the tournament. Uh, they have a good group of people linked uh, from around the various conferences in the NCAA making the decision on who's in and who's out. Uh, I kind of especially like the fact that they have people uh, basically have to excuse themselves when their school is being talked about. I don't know how realistic that is. That's what they say. Um, but I like that. I feel that there is an obvious SEC bias in many ways, uh, even with the other conferences represented in the selection committee. A uh, big reason that I've heard that they don't expand the playoff is because they have finals after the conference championships and need to focus on school. Well, why isn't that the case in D2 or D3 playoff formats? Those players have more responsibility and more difficult classes. So to me, it's, it's kind of a head scratcher. Uh, I feel the NCAA does this because of one thing, money from the bowl games. The more they can have, the more cash is coming in from the sponsors. I mean, I remember actually Rennie, when I hurt my back when Brian Bennett almost paralyzed me in hockey, I remember watching the Fiesta Bowl from a hospital bed. And I remember for the first time ever seeing Fiesta, uh, or the Fiesta, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, or the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. And they had the big bag of chips come up on the screen. I'm like, oh, I've never seen that before. And, you know, that was eons ago, uh, you know, back in the 90s. But look where we've come now. Yeah, and... and a lot of money there for the bowl games but at the same time you don't have to eliminate the bowls i mean the bowls you know the badgers weren't great last year but i still watch that pinstripe bowl yeah you know, i'm still gonna watch it even if they're not in the top eight and those bowl games are great experiences for the for the student athletes you're six and six you go to a bowl game summer warm or detroit or whatever it's still a blast you get a ton of they give them like video game consoles they give them you know, phones, they get all this stuff now when they go on those trips. And yep. Plus, they get to travel, which is a great experience. Some of those kids might not have ever traveled in their lives. So, um, there's no reason to get rid of the whole system. But it makes zero sense to have just the top four uh, when you have five power five conferences because I think you win your conference, you should be in with five conferences, five guaranteed spots. It's crystal clear. You know what you got to do. Go and win, and you're in. And that leaves three open spots for the Alabamas that don't make it, for the non-Power Five group of teams that give them a shot. And and then you're at the, then you're at the mercy of the committee with the three. Then it's your own fault. You didn't win your conference. Exactly. And you know those those three wild card teams. Uh, you know 
top three non-conference winners uh, are the top three non-winning or what, what's the word I'm trying to look here? Top three non-conference winners. Yeah, they get into the tournament. So you could have a team like, let's say, if Appalachian State would have gone undefeated this year, they could have been a team that they put in there because you're going to have one playing eight, two, seven, three versus six, four versus five. So let's just take a look at, for instance, what's going on right now this year based on the Vegas odds. Uh, at least when I wrote this up, <laughs> uh, LSU would be your number one seed, the SEC champ against uh, Penn State wild card. That's assuming that the Badgers lose to uh, lose to Ohio State. I hope they don't. I hope they beat them. But that's what Vegas thinks. The number two seed, Ohio State, the Big Ten champ, would play the number seven Georgia Bulldogs. Clemson would play Alabama. What a match of that would be. And Oklahoma would play Utah. Big 12 champ versus Pac-12 champ. Eight teams. Perfect. It's a perfect system if they bring it to that, and I just don't get why they don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, for one, I think SEC likes that model. ACC likes that model. And they manipulate the system because they play eight conference games rather than nine. And they play a joke of non-conference schedules. Yeah. And... So they use that to their advantage to try to get two in there, and that's just not fair. I mean, honestly, I really don't think there should be two teams in it ever with the top four because you don't know these other conferences that are playing each other, particularly at the end of the year, how these teams match up until they actually play. So if you put two out of four, you just greatly increase the odds for that one conference, and it stinks. Yes, and thank God Alabama lost this last week. Otherwise... My God, you definitely would have seen two SEC teams in there for sure. Yeah, and you know what eight teams gives them? An automatic two teams every time. Good for them. I could care less. Yep. But you know what? Now they're going to have to earn it by playing a wide variety of different teams. And um, it would make complete sense to do it that way. And you can do it over, starting over Christmas. You don't have to have three, four weeks off. Uh, you know, you start three weeks after and just roll through it three weeks there. I mean, it's, it's three weeks. Yeah. It's, it's not that bad. Or, you know, do one less non-conference game then. Yeah, and as I said before, they act like, oh, it's because of finals. And as I said, D2, D3, look at people at UW-Stout, Whitewater, you know, places like that. <laughs> they are taking their classes and they're doing their finals, but guess what? When they're in the playoffs, they're playing three, I think, is it up to three weeks sometimes? Those playoffs in, like, D3 last so, I mean, it's it's not like it can't be done. Uh, and those guys, I can guarantee you, have harder classes than people at LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, you know, places like that. So uh, that can't be the real reason why, but that's the, the front they put up. Yeah, and it's, it's not legitimate because finals are done by Christmas. So you do it over the holiday break. It's a perfect time frame. E- exactly. And, I mean, you can have neutral site locations. It's not like they're having difficulty finding those kind of things. There's plenty of places you could do it, or they could even do it the first two rounds, higher seed plays a home game. Or the yeah. first the first round even. The first round can be a, a home game for whatever person's the higher seed. Or just call them bowl games and continue kind of what they're doing. And, you know, if you win your first two games or miss the championship, you just won two bowls that year. Yeah. It's that you're the orange and the sugar bowl champion. That'd be sweet. It's still a success. Yeah, and you're bringing so, in a ton of money for your university, too. So it's not like they're and losing conference. them. Yeah, and conference. It's not like you're losing anything. So um, that's that's the way it should be. And I think we're closer than some people think to having that happen just because of what we're seeing now with a lot of teams possibly being left out. They can still do the selection show, 
like they do now just you know you'd basically know five of the teams but you wouldn't know the seedings yet and then you'd have those three wild cards getting in i think it would bring in more viewers because more people have a chance because a lot of times now you pretty much know like right now we know one two and three they're the undefeated teams they're in as long as they win so it's not like it's that much surprise anyway yeah, and honestly, if Ohio State and LSU lose, they're probably still in anyways, too. Yep, I think I so. Mean, so, um, you know, it's, it takes out a lot of drama right there. Whereas if you have eight teams, now they still got to go through a lot. You still got that drama coming in. I think it would make a lot of sense preaching to the choir here. Uh, eight cents is just the most equitable way to do it. I just think, how do you leave out some Power 5 conference champions? It's just, it makes no sense. Totally agreed, and I think we'll see a change, as I said, in the years to come. But for now, we're stuck with the current format, and uh, we'll just have to deal with it. So that's this week's edition of Full of Schmidt. Uh, just a quick uh, announcement I want to make. Uh, the season high point total bonus. Uh, it's $50 because one of these teams may not make it. Uh, well, waiver wired we know is in. Uh, but Chili Dog, Nelmark, and Mr. Sacco, three-dog race. You got waiver wired sitting on top right now with 1,243 points. Chili Dog, 1223. Mr. Sacco, Michelle sitting there at 1200. So she goes off this week, and those two have 70 point weeks. She could take it, and you know, and you know, if you don't make the playoffs and you get that $50 bonus, you'll feel a lot better than I did a few years back when I had that team that just ran gangbusters, but my defense couldn't hold up. I lost a lot of 100 to 105 games, so that's just the way <laughs> things went for me. It is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up our show this week. Uh, really excited for next week because uh, we're going to have the playoffs in full picture. So we'll see you next time for our playoff preview special alongside Rennie Lesperance. I'm John Schmidt, and thanks again for joining us this week for another edition of the North Remembers podcast, where we will see who shall take home that golden belt and become the king or queen in the North.